Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to today's episode. My name is Christine from Youth Plus Africa, and today we are joined by the lovely Joy from Osotwa um, to speak about her entrepreneurship journey. Thank you. Karibu sana. Asante sana. It is a pleasure to have you on board. Yeah. Today we'll be talking about your journey, everything entrepreneurship. Yeah. But before we begin, yes. I'd like to start with a later moment. Mm-hmm. So Joy. Yes. Tell us one thing about you that most people don't know. One thing about me that most people don't know, especially given my job and especially for people who meet me, you wouldn't believe it, but I'm an introvert. Is it? I am. I'm just very good at adapting to being or showing myself as an extrovert. Lovely. But technically, I am very much an introvert. I would never have guessed (laughs) Karibusana once again. Sante. So today we're just going to be talking and discussing about your entrepreneurship journey. Yeah. What it takes to start and run a business. It right. is not easy. <laughs> Most business owners will tell you it, it, it takes sweat, blood, and tears. But it's doable. It is. Right? Yes. So quickly, tell us about your journey beginning. What are some of the challenges, especially going into an industry yeah. that already had so many competitors yeah. and be thriving and becoming successful? What, yeah. what was that like? Well, okay, uh, I think it's, but I think this is common for most people who get to a point where people call you successful. You don't particularly feel or think that you're successful. Uh, mostly uh, the panel beating that you go through makes you also have some small imposter syndrome to make you think that you're successful. But when you look back at your journey, you realize why people are calling you successful. And as far as challenges go, first and foremost, um, I ventured into a heavily male-dominated industry. And as far as even just an age complexity, I happened to fall on the much lower side of the age spectrum. And it also didn't help that my physical appearance looks nothing like what I do. So um, for our listeners, uh, Osoto is actually a facilitation company. And as far as facilitation goes, we started off by doing team building activities. But as far as what the bigger vision of the company is going to be, there's programs that we have that we're starting to roll out thanks to our partnership and development within the Sandbox. And basically... When we're starting out, I think I was 23. And I mean, what when you're talking to adults and you're trying to get your foot in the door or in the room, guys are actually just wondering, do you actually know anything about what you're talking about? I know. Right? But for me, at the point in time when I was starting my journey, I had quite a bit of work experience under my belt. And I had gone through quite a diverse number of companies And I think within that, I started to understand what it is to have team relations, what it is to understand what a team dynamic is supposed to be um, from the very top of having um, senior management and the executive council team and investors and just being part of these companies' growing development stages, you start to realize, by the way, businesses don't just come together just like that. So it's one thing to know something in theory and to look at it and see it. And then it's another thing to now decide, hey, I'm going to wake up and do a business based on this ideology of what I'm seeing as a gap within the industry. Um, So as far as team building is concerned, which is our main area of facilitation, we noticed that team building has been misconceptualized more or less. And as far as what people understand of team building and as far as what team building is able to do, there are such different things. Because if you ask most people what is team building, guys are like, oh, fun and game, tonanda raha raha. Um, We're going for fun, fun and having um, our team be motivated. But actually, in essence, as far as where team building comes in and how it's useful and can provide a return on investment for a company, it's just being able to have a third party come on board and enhance an experience for your organization in different capacities. So it can be within the capacity of training, it can be a retreat, it can be a fun day, it can be multiple ways in which you can do that. So we were like, if we're able to see this as a younger generation within our industry and trying to have a conversation with people who have their own way of doing it, we're not going out there to tell people they're doing it wrong. 
we are able and have our unique perspective. And I guess that's what we were like. I believe in business, somebody calls that a USP. So yeah. I think that's something to go off on. And as far as what we knew at the time, team building was not a capital-intensive business ideology. Um, but then we didn't have any actual experience of running an actual business. So you go in and you get a team and turns out their expectations. And high expectations. <laughs> high expectations, especially on the financial front. And then there's also business expectations of, all right, so are you guys a registered company? Did you guys, do you have an office? Um, how long have you been in the industry for? How, which big clients have, have you, you managed to do? Um, and then as far as your team is concerned, their expectation is that you're going to now deliver them sun and the moon. And see, you started a company, so you must have money. Yeah. How are you starting a company without money? So you start off with, okay, are we going to start doing salaries? How are we going to be able to fund salaries? How are we going to register a business? Are we going to have an office space? How are we going to have an address? There's so many small nitty-gritties that <laughs> are very pleasant surprises as you start off doing um, a business. And more or less... Those are the smaller ends of the hurdles. Yeah. Um, in that, by the time we managed to even just have a functioning team, much as we may have started out with a grandiose dream of, so as far as Osoto dream was supposed to be, or is actually, there's supposed to be like four different departments. And we actually had hired people for each of those departments to move forward. Mm -hmm. And this was in 2016. Mm -hmm. But of course, yeah, you're also hiring people based on how much you can hire and then there comes the problems of skill versus yeah. talent so that you're able to progress, able to move, you're burning cash. And you're like, okay, we just need to rethink, just pause, stop. And I think for me, that was conveniently when I started looking for forums that give information. And at the time, yeah, Youth Plus had its first cohort. So it was very convenient to be like, okay, guys say you need to go network and also guys say that you need to go and find information. And you find platforms such as uh, Youth Plus, and I went there, and then that's when I started to hear how to scale down, to strategize better, to, pivot. to figure out what pivoting is. Because, you know, a lot of, especially when you look at all of these guys who are doing fundraising, guys talk about pivoting. What is the practicality of pivoting? What does it look and feel like to start or to figure out what your strategy would be, that this is going to be step one, step two? And I think from here, I should be able to pivot to point C instead of just meandering until I get to point B, you know. So for us, um, what that ended up looking like is scaling down. That, yes, we may have this huge ideology for the future. And we also had to start having a very hard conversation about what does that look like in practice and as far as reality of the present looks like. So, I mean, it reached a point where me and my co-founder had um, a divergent point where my co-founder was like, actually, I need to take care of some things on a personal note first before deciding to venture into entrepreneurship okay. because... Um, as far as his life goals were ex, uh, put out, he had an expectation as to what he was going to be able to achieve financially by the time we reached at a certain point. And a lot of what we had as an ideology for Sotwa was very idyllic, um, based on, number one, naivety of being children. And yeah, we want to do the whole kumbaya thing and social <laughs> engagement. And that's not particularly feasible for a company to run, especially when it comes down to expenses and figuring out how do you churn a revenue, you know. So uh, we ended up amicably just uh, releasing one another. So one of us went forward with a vision, which was me. And he actually managed to set himself up and figured out another business model uh, venture that he managed to put out and we're still very good friends and still support each other from the background and basically now started my solo founder journey from there and basically as we moved forward and I always like to use the general we because I didn't do this by myself yeah there was a lot of influence a lot of information um, and a lot of support from background personalities friendships family 
Um, even just people you walk within uh, your networking forums and you meet somebody and like, yeah, by the way, I can connect you to one, two, three people. And they help the journey a lot and it makes it a lot less uh, lonely. But as far as figuring out a business model, it really did come down to sitting down and re-strategizing a thousand times. So currently, as we sit as the team building experts at the Sandbox, um, I think I would firmly say we're on business model four as far as how to implement this grandiose uh, vision of what we would like to see over X amount of time, or at least within my career lifetime. And more or less, the struggles come down still to people, money, and I wouldn't say it's particularly investment. It's about how do you create enough money to be able mm-hmm. to have your business to run. Independently. Yeah, because even guys who have funding, most people who you meet who are investors um, of multiple companies, not necessarily investing in their own company, they would say that's a genuine concern, especially when it comes to investing in other people's companies, right? That they're able to take in money, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean necessarily necessarily that they're generating their own money yeah. or they need X amount of time before they get to that point because of trying to capture the market, trying to move as quickly, trying to get there, which are also additional problems such mm-hmm. as seeing readiness of the market and what's available as far as business opportunities. Yeah. Um, nowadays, the economic spectrum is no longer local, it's global. So you're not just looking at, oh, am I going to be able to do business here? Kenya, you're yeah. competing with people who are bringing resources into the country and you're supposed to be on the same plane. So when you're looking at your personnel, you're looking at your money, you're looking at um, your time availability because... Let's not lie, we keep talking about this work-life balance thing. There's competing needs as far as whatever stage in life you are. Some people have to make certain sacrifices to make it happen. Other people are basically just winging it and fighting through that balance and not particularly achieving it, but you have to work, make it work, right? So I would say those are primarily the four biggest things because if you can get the right people then you're able to start working on the right product, the right service. You're able to change as quickly as possible based on whatever you get as feedback and start able, being able to start generating your own money. Um, so those are primarily the top four. The rest are more social, like people's perception of you, yeah. um, how you handle your customer reviews, whether it's positive, whether it's negative, um, and just also being able to be innovative enough to keep ahead of the curve every single time within your industry. So, yeah. Good stuff. I'm loving the conversation. You spoke about um, imposter syndrome. Yes. That's something so many entrepreneurs suffer. Yeah. And guys who are already, you know, trying to leave the employment, to mm-hmm. transition into employment. Yes. How did you um, tackle that? Because most times it gets you, it makes you not start at all. Mm-hmm. So how did you handle that? And you said having the right team yeah. works for your business. Yes. So how do you get the right team? So those two things are interestingly somewhat interlinked as far as my personal journey is concerned Mm -hmm. and my perception of how to deal with it. So as far as dealing with imposter syndrome, um, one of the best things that I, I keep telling people, it's a great time to live in the 21st century because conversations such as mental health conversations are extremely pertinent and they're out there. So it's not like it's a hidden conversation and you get all sorts of tips and tricks and means as to how to handle what's going on in your head, right? And one of the tips and tricks that um, psychologists gives, counselors gives when they're giving their talks is just being able to do, you know, like an audit yeah, where you just check where you're coming from, yeah, and give credit where credit is due. due. You haven't done nothing, yeah? So like I remember when I started out, I didn't get employed after uni. So I'd only been employed before uni. So I'd never actually really done a CV. So actually, after a while, the first time I ever did an audit was the first time I did a CV Mm -hmm. for myself, like an actual professional. The one you did in uni is like, guys, I did for you. And yeah, right. But this is the first time I actually sat down and wrote down what are my skill sets and capabilities within our work career Mm -hmm. spectrum. And when I put it down from like when I was in uni all the way until now Mm -hmm. and realizing what I've managed to do each and every single year, I actually haven't done nothing. Nothing. 
right? So to say that I'm an imposter is actually being an imposter of an imposter. Like you're lying to yourself. Yeah. You actually have achieved quite a bit. And it's not to say that you couldn't achieve more. more. It's not to say that other people haven't done better. But that doesn't discredit or invalidate the fact you've that done you've done something. Um, you've done a yeah, lot. Quite yeah, it's gotten you to where you're standing at right now. So it's not nothing. It's absolutely not nothing. Mm-hmm. And I think from there, that's when I started realizing, even when somebody says that I have been a success, it's not in what I perceive a success of, yes, Facebook, Elon Musk, or um, Jack, Jeff Bezos, or Alibaba. No, it's for somebody like, for instance, they were trying to equate how for them they equate my success based on the fact that I've been so resilient to stick with my entrepreneurial journey from the very beginning. And I haven't wavered to go back into employment. I have stuck through it. I've also stuck with an ideology and figured out how to create different business models to work it out. Right. So and it's interesting because I was having a conversation with some entrepreneur friends of mine and we're just talking about when they keep giving this statistic of seven out of 10 businesses fail. Yeah. And some guys were like, what if it's because of a time factoring? Mm-hmm. Like either you are too early within the market or you stopped before you actually broke through multiple modules on figuring out how to implement it. What if it's actually just a time factor? Like maybe that number should be... Seven out of ten are the ones that actually make it through if they manage to persevere through X amount of years within business, you know? Yeah. It's not necessarily that it's a waste of time because it doesn't work out at the very onset, right? Makes a lot of sense when yeah. you put it like that. So when you think about it that way, it starts to help you push through your imposter syndrome. Because mm-hmm. your imposter syndrome is actually, it's a mental block. Like, it's just you being hypercritical about yourself, um, being having very high expectations of yourselves. And it's not that those things are bad. It's just that when you let them go into hyper mood, Mm -hmm. then that stuff is going to kill at you, like ridiculously so. So by the time you now start talking to people, Mm -hmm. when you talk to people and share with people about your entrepreneurial journey, that's when that validation also comes on board. That somebody is like, hey, you've actually moved from point A to point B. So, like, for instance, um, knowing your founder, Freddie, from the very beginning and him seeing my very beginning journey of um, Osotwa and his of Youth Plus, every time we check in with each other, you start to realize, hey, you've got an X amount of space. Hey, your team is still there. Hey, people have grown. And it's that big up seeing each other that makes you realize I am not an imposter. Yeah, I'm actually validly in my place, in my space. And it's okay to take my place and my space. And that doesn't take away from anybody else. And that's perfectly fine. And I'll be able to move a lot faster forward. Yeah. Um, So now to move towards like the network of people that you keep. The network of people that you keep also sometimes give you the solution for who you're looking for. So I can say out of all of the hires that I have made currently from the time Osoto started to currently, all of them have been based on my network. Um, I can say very few of them was because I put a call out for CVs and then that's when I got somebody. Majority of the people that I have found that have helped me from point A to point B of my entrepreneurial journey based on their skill sets Mm -hmm. has happened from the network that I know. So I happened to tell somebody that I'm actually facing this challenge mm-hmm. within my entrepreneurial journey, um, be it like I'm having a, a numbers issue and I really need like statistics or like my budgets worked out because when it comes to what clients need to know from a job that needs to be done, I need somebody who validly actually knows how to put this in a template mm-hmm. and makes it look clean and makes it conversational, like they can give it, they can chew it, digest it, and give it to me in layman terms, so I can chew it, digest it, take it to a client, and like, yeah, this is the baseline of what it is, and we all understand what's happened. But it takes somebody with expertise. So now you see, when you're explaining that to somebody, somebody actually starts to, their two cogs in their mind start to, like, by the way, I actually met somebody who did that, who worked with that. Yeah, actually, I might have somebody for you, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's how, for me, I've been able to get um, skilled people or rather better skilled. Because, you know, when we look at skill, there's also the paradigm between um, 
what type of skill sets and how much you need to pay them right and sometimes it's easier to catch somebody at the inception of their career who happen to be really really skilled and they help you within your journey and as in all honesty i think majority of us um entrepreneurs when we're in our startup journey you're just praying to find that person like the person who's really really skilled right before the pivot and take off and you wish them the best of their journey yeah but they were there to serve a purpose for you and you're just trying to catch them right before that or maybe they could be wholly part of your journey all the way until you're able to afford what they're worth right so um i know there's a big conversation between um hiring within the startup front and the entrepreneurial journey and sometimes it actually even just comes down to culture that somebody is willing to join your small business as it's growing and starting out mm-hmm. because it's the type of environment that they can thrive off as far as balance is concerned as far as opportunity for them to personally expand their understanding of their skill set and that's what might help somebody come on board not necessarily the money aspect so we have a lot of this type of conversations when we're at the sandbox because our primary element of our self as a village concept and being um a support system primarily for SMEs is that there's multiple ways about how you can create a network get support to build your business in the right direction so yeah that's why for me they are kind of intertwined your imposter syndrome the people you hang out with people you're able to get to work with they kind of all float within the same ecosystem I think you'll tell us more about the sandbox a bit later. I would love to. Right now, I just want to touch on something that we've spoken about. Yeah. Sometimes in business there's high seasons and low yes. seasons. There's times when you're overwhelmed. Yes. And there's times when there's literally no business. Yes. Please tell us how you handle the low seasons. Oh, so within my industry of work, um we definitely have high seasons and we definitely have low seasons we actually within the government context of what industry we fall under we actually fall under sports and recreation mm-hmm. and we fall in line with businesses we work other industries we work with such as hospitality which means automatically yes we have highs and we have lows and it's also managed by another institution such as finances because most budgets are made at the either the beginning of a financial year of a company or the end financial year of a company and not to mention we did weather through covid which has told me about it uh, character development we have never seen <laughs> but um as far as figuring out seasons it's tied to figuring out your business model right so much as you might want to say that your business primarily only does one thing mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that that particular service doesn't filter into additional support measures of work that it can do and i would say for the sort of um business model development that played a huge factor in that when we started out and were thinking of ourselves as just team builders and experiential teachers um being an ideal space for experiential learners we hadn't actually realized that our main mode of service is facilitation mm-hmm. and now going into the spectrum of what is facilitation to begin with and that's when we're like okay actually there's some facilitations that work during the low period and you're basically able to diversify your portfolio right so you can have a specialization but realize what does diversification look within your spectrum of your portfolio mm-hmm. so that you realize what are services that you focus on within which specific season because the seasons aren't all the same for the different types of mm-hmm. um diversifications that you will take so if you're able to think about it within that spectrum without blocking yourself off or saying that you're not a focused business because you're not specializing within x amount of things then you actually will give yourself quite a bit of wiggle room to maneuver the seasons especially and that's both financial seasons that's industry seasons as well as even um elements such as covid 
which help you have a space and a time to think about innovation. Because much as you can diversify these things, you might start to realize actually within whichever demographic or um, that you're serving, uh, as far as market is concerned, you'll be realize, hi, actually I can get to this particular market using this particular resource. Like mm-hmm. the same way during COVID, a lot of people realized if I can figure out how to digitize yeah. or make it virtual, then I can be able to move along with my business, not as business as usual, given the scope and how things had shut down, but at least I will continue. Like it's not a dead stop. So yeah, that's more or less how I would say um, that's how you can maneuver through it. Yeah. Good stuff. I like what you talked about diversifying. Because yeah. sometimes when you remain, you know, when you cast your business on stone, it has to go like this. It has yes. to work. Failure is not an option. Mm-hmm. And what happens when it, you can't, you know, you have to Even change. You're at a roadblock, you're at a roadblock. Right? right? You, you have to change things up. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So on to our next question. What strategies have you put in place to stay ahead of your customer? I mean, competitor, sorry. Because... We all know our competitors are always in coming up with new ways to yeah. do improve business. Yeah. What do you do to ensure you and your team stay ahead of your competitors yeah. without watering down the quality of service you provide to your customers? Right. So um, I would like to say this with a bit of caution and not to sound um, prude mm-hmm. or... More or less, I don't particularly look at people that are in the same business or industry spectrum as me, as my competition. Mm-hmm. Um, first and foremost, because uh, recently I embarked on the journey of starting a team building association. And when you start to talk to people who have the same type of business, you actually start to realize, especially as small as our industry is, they are most certainly not the same business. So even as far as what we would be deeming as we are competing against each other, we are actually not. You're complementing each other? We actually are. Because most of us, our different skill sets of where we implement our team building comes at either very different stages of the businesses that we serve or at different type of industry that our different um, companies that we serve, the businesses that we serve. Um, also, as far as what our, our specializations are concerned, when we look at the types of team buildings that we're able to carry through, you realize that people have very different abilities within that spectrum. So, for instance, um, when it comes to competition, I look at what I have previously delivered and what I am looking forward to delivering in the future, and especially vis-a-vis what I'm trying to grow as a brand Mm -hmm. and how I would like to be respected as a brand. What would I like to be known for within my industry? So that's how I view competition, right? In that, and I think within a, from a theory of business, I think this is one of the reasons why we are taught about niching, Right? there's very few people who are able to genuinely do exactly what you do. So legitimately, who are you really competing with? Yeah. Whoever is your customer to serve today, tomorrow, that's legitimately your customer. But so long as it's something that you're able to see, number one, is it serving a need? Is it serving um, a purpose within the community? Because right now, we're no longer just looking at viability within economic that it's making you money. It has to be of a certain perception or good to society currently. Otherwise, most people who aren't doing it within that respect are not particularly making money. It has to serve a need within um, a market that you have identified with. So, for instance, if you're able to focus and realize what is your unique selling point, even within the diversification of your particular Um, specialization, then you'll be able to realize you are competing with yourself and you're not just competing with yourself, you're competing with the person that provided the service to your client. 
So that past version of you that gave that version of service to mm-hmm. your client, your client genuinely wants to see a new version of you with a better version of services every single time you interact. That's who you're competing with. It's not particularly the next business that mm-hmm. has the same name and the same specialization as you. Not really. So that brings me to my next question. Right. Joy, you've partnered with some of the biggest brands in Kenya. <laughs> Good job. Please tell us about that. Encourage an entrepreneur who's looking to package themselves in a way that they can work with Safaricom and Toyota Kenya. How? Tell us about that. Wow. So how those things happen, again, it's funny when people say your network is it's your, your net worth. Um, some of those companies that we gave services to we weren't actually the main introductor or the main, um, we were not the main relationship. Mm-hmm. So it happens to be that most of these larger companies, when they're looking for services, they're not looking for one element of service, of which when it comes to SMEs and startups and micro businesses, we only do one area of business. But now if you have a network of people who are doing additional services that complement you, when somebody is able to pitch for a product, a project, Mm -hmm. they're able to have multiple people come on board and you can deliver a specific area of service that somebody can actually identify with that within this project, yes, I remember specifically that this part to this part was done by a so-and-so person. Mm-hmm. So I happened to have um, a very good and a very um, rich network of first and foremost friends who we went to school with at one point or another, and we happened to meet each other um, somewhere around campus times. And it's one of those things when your friends ask you to do a business venture with them, and the first time you don't, it's not particularly that you even know what is going on, but you are open to trying it out. So these companies that I partnered with at the very beginning were nobodies. So for instance, current uh, our connection with Safaricom came through Hotmond, mm-hmm. and Hotmond at the time started off uh event called Paint the Run. Mm -hmm. And at the time, Paint the Run was literally just looking for manpower to help them throw an event. And that's part of what we do as far as facilitation is concerned. We are just a third party that comes on board to help activities flow from point A to point B. And that's part of where my first ideology of diversification came from when I wasn't able to hack doing the team building for bigger companies. Mm -hmm. So at that point in time, it looked like I was doing nothing for my friend who was doing something really huge. I mean, she was on all the radio stations. She's a very big uh, person when it comes to um, event management and PR and digital uh, marketing when it comes to that spectrum. And she was just trying out a diversification as well. How do you have an event, right? And I was part of her journey when mm-hmm. she was absolutely starting out. And... From there, by the time she got called to now do um, the Safari Olympics for the end of year um, party for Safaricom, it was literally doing the Paint the Run, which who had been doing the facilitation for their Paint the Run for the last three years, Asotwa. So it really just came down to the fact that we have worked underneath them. They trust us enough to the extent that having them, having us on board under them and we're not about to take Hotmon's spotlight and say, by the way, Safaricom, we're the ones. No, 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 no. Give respect where respect is due. Let people have their and hold their relationships where it's due. And basically, that's basically how I got to do my first job with Safaricom. And it was a humbling experience and also to be part of an event of that size, you know. Like, turns out, like, Paint the Run happened to just be, like, a steady practice joint for the one day that would really, really, really matter. Um, by the time we were now getting to um, Toyota, mm-hmm. it basically came down to an, a venue that we have partnered with and we're looking at our future relationships as far as merging is concerned called Peck Nature Camp. Um, and it's a venue in Kisarian, Kona Baridi. Same thing, um, a camp that started off 
with no prospects of understanding what they were really getting into. But at the time, I was, I came with a background from uh, outdoor space, mm-hmm. understanding what it is to build a ropes course, what it is to build a team. And just being there and be like, okay, I can help you manage and build and support a team uh, if you will give me uh, the opportunity to handle particular programs as far as activities are concerned and number one being team building. So building their team building facilitators who now had the Toyota team come on board for their team building. So it's literally partnering with the right people, having the right network, being in the right place at the right time. There always is an element of luck. Um, And basically just being really good at what you do and staying diligent, especially to keeping a particular standard and a particular quality. Yeah, so same thing goes with Market Force and being with them at the very inception when they were starting Cloud9 all the way to their development into now where they're doing Raja Raja and moving within that respect. Um, it goes on and on and on and on. So it's just little, little, little things that happen to put you in the right place at the right time and keeping your head down, not head down, down, but more like give respect where it's due and yeah, be able to be that person that, no, you're not going out to put somebody else's clients when they give you that relationship or that connection to do the work, you know? Yeah, like integrity when, is very sorry. important as far as ethics in business is concerned. I fully agree. Yeah, I like that you mentioned market force. Yeah. I think what they're doing in the industry yeah. is amazing. And guys, hopefully we'll be having them on some of, soon on our episode. <laughs> I like that you talked about um, networks. Your yeah. networks are your net worth. Yeah. And basically being prepared. mentioned um, particularly uh, Sandbox and there's also Peck Nature Camp as far as uh, physical facilities concerned. So I'll start off with Peck Nature Camp because it's a lot uh, briefer and basically it's it's a space in Konabaridi that is not your average um, recreational space. So it has camping facilities, it has a restaurant, it has grounds for hire, so grounds large enough to take a tent for a thousand, so a perfect wedding uh, getaway. Um, it also has activities such as hiking, zip lining, high ropes, wall climbing. And as far as what PEC stands for, it means Peace Environment Center. So there's also strong elements of environmental conservation um, based on the type of plants that are within the facility itself. It also has um, bird watching because of the type of plants that we have. We also have very interesting types of farming that we practice over there. And more or less, it's supposed to be a recreational space that gives people the opportunity to bond outside of the norms of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we usually need stuff to hang out and bond with each other. So number one, our biggest hashtag that a lot of people know us by is a signage that says no, no network, natural connections. Yeah. So it's mostly uh, we were able to partner with them because we believe in it. For those of you who may not know what Osotwa means, it means peace. So as far as how are we able to have people cultivate their relationships to a good enough space that it creates a very peaceful ecosystem for people to relate with each other. And that's one of the reasons why we partnered with it. And we also like, even if we'd never stay at Peck Nature Camp for forever, it's basically uh, within our prospects of the ideology of having a space of our own one day, a facility of our own. Um, if not, we would be able to merge with them and carry out the vision of the founders of Peck Nature Camp um, and move into how we're able to bring peace to people and create an environment that's able to really, really, really focus on that outside of implementation of stuff such as physical structures that are supposed to be bringing recreation. 
we believe there's other ways that recreation can be done. The same way we decided team building can also be done in a different way and facilitation can be done in a different way. Um, so that's one of our main and key partners that we have. Our second uh, partner that is dear and near to us um, as of last year is the Sandbox. So the Sandbox currently is um, a concept um, of which it brings together different uh, elements of business practices that are integral to a business starting out to begin with. And more or less is it brings people from each of these different disciplines. Um, so for instance, it could be within the marketing spectrum and we have uh, people who do the regular traditional marketing as well as those who do digital marketing as well as those who do PR and basically within each different category, same to do with finance, we have a tax expert, we have um, a finance expert, we have multiple experts across the board within whatever discipline you would think is needed within a business. And as far as the sandbox is concerned, they pride themselves on working these experts within something they call the village model. And the village model is basically supposed to be the SME or whatever business comes within the sandbox becomes the child of the village. And how can we support this, this child to grow as much and as far as possible before they can do things on their own, right? So we consider them, or rather we consider ourselves as far as being part of the sandbox, we are the SME experts. So who knows SMEs better than SME owners, of which all of the people within the disciplines uh, that are there, they own, own their, their companies. So them themselves are our SME, they're either starting up coming from a professional background or are running a small to mid-sized enterprise that has been standing for um, X amount of time. So I think the youngest business is standing for the last seven years. So more or less, there are people that have great experience and great experience, particularly within understanding micro business, starting off by yourself, all the way to becoming an S and, or an M. Right. So we particularly pride ourselves in the fact that there are a lot of people who are out there talking about SMEs, but they actually are not SMEs. So the sandbox is there to bring the African concept of how to help businesses grow and how to get businesses to move along um, at their own pace based on depending on what stage you're at and what necessary services you need, you'd be able to come and get them at the, at the sandbox. Um, whereas if you're a small business and you're looking for consultations, you'd probably have to travel all around the city to try and get consultations from the various disciplines within business, right? But at the sandbox, we all sit under one roof. So ideally, or rather incorrectly, when most people think or rather hear about the sandbox, they think we are a co-work space, but we are definitely not. We are more or less a non-compete co-work space where everybody gets to come on board or rather you are selected on board to come and be part of the sandbox. So there is a criteria. And as far as, yeah, as far as it has to do a lot with your experience, it has to do a lot with your integrity, um, what your brand stands for, what you're known for within um, the industry, and basically to make sure that we're holding that integrity, you know, the way like within a village, you always know Nani Nani is the Roma Mongara, Roma Nani. but here it's more or less like, no, this person, when we vouch for them or when they say that they are part of the sandbox, mm -hmm. it's almost like a stamp of approval from, like it's our version of Kebs. <laughs> Right, so that this guy is like, yes. Um, saying that they're an expert is more or less saying that they're specialized within the field of what they do and they have a very intricate knowledge, especially within the understanding of how SMEs work and what their specific specialization has to do with the development and growth of a business. So the Sandbox right now um, is three years old and more or less it has given a lot of opportunities uh, for those of us who are practicing within it, especially within the understanding of how do we expand our capacity 
to be able to really support the SME market within Kenya and so that Kenya can still remain on the forefront of entrepreneurial greatness because we really are at the front of entrepreneurial greatness. And more or less, that's what The Sandbox is about. And shout out to Joram Wenamo, who is the founder of The Sandbox, who also is one of my newer networks who... When the more you grow and the more you engage with people who are like-minded, it's also where your imposter syndrome starts to fade away because you're like, actually, I, I do know some things. And somebody is actually here validating that I do know some things. So, yeah, I, that's why I have to shout out Joram because, yeah, one of my greatest mentors so far. So as far as Osotwa is concerned, right now what we've been working on, so currently I would say we're in business model four, and our biggest journey um, is sustainability. How do you sustain a business to the point that it grows beyond its founder? Um, more or less because um, stage in life, I am at a stage in life where I'm definitely pulled in multiple directions as far as um, the networks that I've developed and how I've been able to support different businesses as far as Osoto is concerned. Um, also, as far as how do we really sink in this USP um, identity instead of it being something that's wavering, like it comes today and it moves tomorrow. Um it's, sometimes it's not necessarily about being the first within an industry, but it's about being the remembered in an industry. So that's part of our element of how do we attain our sustainability. And that's one of the reasons why I mentored, I mentioned the idea of um, being partners and long-term partners with Peck Nature Camp and being able to have our own facility where we're able to focus on the practices of um, peace as far as Osoto is concerned within how do we do relationship building and provide a space for experiential learning specifically. Um, also venturing within understandings of helping people enhance themselves as facilitators because more or less, actually, everybody who does a job is actually a facilitator because you're practicing a business type of thing that helps something become easier and faster to an end user or the people who are working within it, right? And how can we support people to do that better? Mm -hmm. And even if it's by information sourcing, um, also part of the initiatives that we're working within the sandbox where we have events. So we will be having uh, some specific type of events that will be happening around the year as from this December, actually. So our first event that we will be participating in is a networking event that's going to be on the last Friday of this month, the 25th November, from 6 p.m. Um, at the Sandbox, which is uh, in Kilimani, right behind the IA Center. And we will actually be having a forum that's specialized towards one of the people we serve the most, which is HRs, managers, and CEOs of companies um, with regard to how do you monitor and measure your talent progress within your organization? And we have our HR experts who will be there, who I work with closely, and also explaining why you can have trainings and retreats that are specified on it to enhance how it can be inculcated within your business to help it flourish. Um, other events that we will be having um, is an SME team building that we will be having at the Peck Nature Camp. Uh, we'll have two sessions in December this year, um, where basically, as an SME, who said because you're a team of two or a team of five, you can't have an end-of-year party, and it can't be as umfung and as big or even out of town as any other organization. So we would like to extend that opportunity to SMEs. 
And basically, it really does come down to sustainability, getting to be known for something particularly, being known as the place to find something um, within the facilitation spectrum, of which we are currently into moderating also. So on the networking event, I will be the moderator of choice, but we'll also make the networking an experiential experience for those who have not been to a more engaged networking forum. And... We're also heavily engaged in mediation because we realize conflict does tend to rise within our relationships that are there. So how can you be a mediator within X amount of capacity or how can you be a peace manager within whatever spectrum of relationship you're engaging with, whether it's at work, whether it's personally and basically now the team building, the retreat programs, and just working on how people are able to relate with each other. So that's more or less where the future of Osotra is concerned. It's not as heavily held in team building as we had thought it would be, but based on also being part of the team building association that's going to come out very strongly next year, um, it's also just being part of a standard, a policy, a regulation, identifying of, educating people and understanding of, this is what this thing actually is. Does this respond to what market understand and what market perceive of it and be able to just be part of people's journey as they grow. So that's who we are and that's what we look forward to doing. So as far as Osotwa is concerned, uh, we have a website, www Osotwa, O-S-O-T-W-A dot C-O dot K-E. Uh, we have an about page, so there goes directly to our email address. We also have our contact details there. We're also on Instagram and Facebook, Osotwa Teams. Uh, we have a lot of other Osotwa pages that will be more active in the future, but currently you'll find us on Osotwa, Osotwa underscore Teams. And as far as Peck Nature Camp is considered, um, Peck is P-E-C naturecamp.com we have a website we are also on facebook and instagram still peck nature camp one word and as far as the sandbox is concerned um we do have call outs for specializations that come up so if you are able to follow us on instagram um sandbox is spelled s n b it's sand, yeah, S-N-D-B-X. So it just doesn't have the vowels as far as sandbox is concerned. And basically, uh, we also have a website, uh, www.sandbox.co.ke. And we also have, we are present on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And LinkedIn, as always. So worst case scenario, you can just email karibu at sandbox.com.